Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, this person that's on right now, her name is Lashina Riley Duvell. She's a licensed social worker. And um, she has more than 15 years experience working in a variety of settings with diverse communities. Lashina's career started as a case manager working with children, youth, and families victimized by sexual abuse. Additionally, she has worked extensively with adolescents and families of areas of behavioral health, parenting, and life skill trainings. Um, Lashina currently works as a high school social worker in the city of Philadelphia. Did I miss anything, Lashina Riley? <laughs> No, ma'am. You wrapped it up. Thank you. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh, Dr. Um, Janelle, let's see. All right, let's see. Let's see. Let's try one more time. All right, I tried to invite one more time. Well, we're talking about PTSD. What does, first of all, PTSD stand for, Lashina? Post-traumatic stress disorder? Post okay. Um, PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. And um, who suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder? Is it men? Is it women? Kids? Who can suffer from that? So anybody can suffer from that. Um, no one is exempt from experiencing things that could lead to... Um, PTSD is... Oh, okay. There she is. There she is. Okay, everybody. Now, this is my other guest. Um, I'm just let me tell you who she is. She's Dr. Janelle S. Pfeiffer, uh, PhD, LCP. Uh, she's an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Richmond. She also leads um, uh, Pfeiffer Psychology, which is PfeifferPsychology.com. And she's a speaker and consultant for organizations committed to inclusive excellence and mental health wellness. In addition, as a licensed clinical psychologist, she founded and leads the Center for Inclusive Therapy and Wellness, and that addresses inclusivetherapywellness.com. She earned her PhD in clinical and school psychology at the University of Virginia and is an alumna of Wake Forest University. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Pfeiffer, for coming on today. I'm, like, I'm glad that I finally made it. I'm sorry I had y'all waiting. <laughs> so thank you for your patience. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, technology is just like sometimes it's your friend, sometimes it's not your friend. You know, sometimes you mean, it's like, fighting you <laughs> actively. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm glad everybody's here. All three of us, three heads are better than one in terms of knowledge. I just talked to Lashina about what does PTSD stand for and who could suffer from it. Now, um, <laughs> Dr. Pfeiffer, uh, you know, we haven't met. I haven't met either, either of you guys, you know, like face to face, but I did, you know, find you. I thought you had a wealth of knowledge. Um, now, what are some of the symptoms, Dr. Pfeiffer, for PTSD? 
Yeah. So and thinking about the symptoms for PTSD, it can be a wide range depending on who you are. And I always like to say that it shows up differently based on your background, what you were taught of how you can express your emotions. It can be also influenced by culture, race and whatever sort of traumatic experience you had. But in general, what we see as some of the themes that do show up are symptoms of intrusions. And that can be when you have thoughts or unwanted feelings that come up that you um, don't want and have difficulty suppressing. Also thinking about changes in cognition and mood. So you may notice that you're having trouble concentrating. You're feeling more irritable or agitated, on edge, sad, overwhelmed. Um, you can also have these symptoms of avoidance. You try to avoid the reminders of what uh, bring up those strong emotions related to the trauma. So you may just go out of your way to not go to loud places or to avoid being physically close with people because intimacy feels unsafe. So there's like these um, these traits of avoidance. But overall, those are some of the major things that show up and kind of give you signs that you might be um, having some symptoms of PTSD. Now, um, Lashina, you know, you work with people dealing with sexual abuse. That's a big group of people that are dealing with trauma. Um, you know, one of the things people always have a problem with is people who have been sexually abused, why do they wait so long to come forward? Is PTSD one of the reasons maybe they don't come forward right away? So I'm glad you asked that. Um, I had an open conversation about that. Um, it is unfavorable to ask why we wait, because to be honest with you, trauma is traumatic. Um, there's no specific reason why individuals would decide on when they want to um, accept the experience that happened. You know, it's a shock to the system. Um, there's things in our lives that happen that we're like, oh, let me just, I don't know, if, did that really just happen? Mm -hmm. oh my, that happened. Yeah. Um, so there's no particular time frame where we're pushing people like, Oh, you got to tell in 30 days, you got to tell in 90 days. When it comes to PTSD, we also have to note that even with the trauma happening, we can't say, so this trauma happened to you um, and it's 30 days from when it happened. Yes, this is the onset of PTSD. Okay. Because if it can be a manifestation, um, those symptoms don't have to show up right away. So got to be clear one of like how we respond to people who've experienced trauma. And when we say, well, why didn't you say something earlier? It really is blaming the victim for just attempting to process what they've experienced during that event. Yeah, I, that's why I wanted to bring it up, because that is always something that comes up, especially in the news with people who are stars or pastors, big, huge figures that people trusted and people don't want to believe. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it can't be true because that was 10 years ago. They would have come forward. You know, why ain't they come forward then? Oh, they just want money or they just want that. I wanted you to explain that uh, for people who may not understand what is going on with someone who might have experienced some type of trauma like that. Now, um, Dr. Piper, um, how are doctors diagnosing PTSD? If, if someone comes to you, what are you looking for? What are their tests? that are done, what, what's the process? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so PTSD, I always say, is one of the more complex diagnoses out there. Like in the DSM, you actually have criterion A through F. Like there are different categories of criteria that somebody needs to meet for a PTSD diagnosis. So it's one of those diagnoses that oftentimes people are more likely to get from someone who has more specialized training um, in trauma and PTSD. So while there are some primary care doctors who may be able to diagnose, it's less likely. Like your primary care doctor may be able to pick up on depression, anxiety based on their training, but it may be a little bit harder um, for them to pick up on that. Um, there are some screening tools where you can go through an assessment that will ask some questions and give us an idea of if it looks like PTSD, where you would take like a survey or questionnaire and collect some data. But um, and, oh, bless you. <laughs> Um, but in, in many cases, um, it will be, it'll come through a clinical interview with somebody who has specialized training in trauma and knows how to collect information and like data and develop a relationship and, and, and trust in such a way that people are likely to disclose. Because let's get real, when it comes to a trauma-related diagnosis, the ability to form a relationship, have trust, talk about something that might be hard to do can take time. Like um, like we were just talking about a moment ago, I think is spot on. So the process of getting the diagnosis may involve like doing some screening, doing some paperwork, and it may be kind of a clinical interview or even a longer term therapeutic relationship where somebody is coming to that diagnosis over time. Now, um, you know, people always think PTSD and they think veterans. They think war. Um, we brought up sexual abuse. And uh, Lashina, what are some other like large issues that may cause trauma and then trigger PTSD? So what I'm seeing now a lot in practice with the individuals um, that are seeking therapy, to be perfectly honest with you, we're talking about, you know, the reality of day to day, you know, mm -hmm. take, taking in information about gun violence. If you're living in that community where it's happening, you know, it, it doesn't have to be direct exposure. You don't have to be the person who had a gun vanished in her face or in his face to actually experience some of these things. And what we're finding is that typically people will come in with you know, kind of like baseline anxiety, depression, their mood is off. But once you start to peel back the onions, <laughs> the uh -huh. layers of what they've experienced, and like the doctor said, historical context, their environment, all of these things are contributing factors to what one may lead to that diagnosis of PTSD. So I say that in a nutshell, it could be the day-to-day -day living in an impoverished community. You've been living in this community all of your life. You've been kind of taking in a lot of what's been going on in the community as far right. as the trauma. Even seeing things on the news can definitely trigger an internal experience that brings about your body responding, your brain responding. Now your mood is responding to what you're taking in. And then down the line, all of these things kind of add up to what may lead to a diagnosis of PTSD. Mm. Well, I want to do something a little lighter. I have a little giveaway. Um, I have a book. It's a signed book. It's a signed copy of Viola Davis's book. Oh, yes. So people can have a chance to win a signed copy. 
Awesome. What you got to do is you're going to need to email me. Hmm. What was her first movie? Email me at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys@mail.com. What was Viola Davis's first movie? And you could have a chance to win. You have to be the first person to email me. Might have one or two copies, so maybe the first two people. Um, but uh, SaturdaysWithJoyKeys@mail.com. Uh, that's a chance to win that book. Now, Dr. Piper, um, one of the things that she talked about, you don't have to be the the person initially with the PTSD. A lot of veterans and their families mm-hmm. kind of have this residual PTSD. How does mm-hmm. that happen? How does somebody, if, if the person that went through the trauma, but then you the one having a PTSD, how does that happen? Mm, yes. So um, I I think often about the idea of intergenerational trauma and how much trauma is transmitted in communities. So that's part of the reason I'm so drawn to doing trauma work, because by uh, as we think about it, as you're able to heal and find skills to cope with your traumatic experiences, it impacts your the way that you function with your family, with the people you work with, your friends, your loved ones in your whole community, because what happens is we see that those who have experienced trauma are at a higher risk of um, like risk-taking behaviors that can increase trauma for their family units. They may have, in terms of some of that alterations in cognition and mood that we were talking about, that can show up as anger, irritability, agitation that can, can get passed on, or even that overprotectiveness. So if your experience was being sexually abused, Used or sexually assaulted, some of that unconscious desire to protect, for instance, your child can be traumatizing. Like the idea of like creating from a very young age that the world is not a safe space, that you need to constantly be on guard and be watching your back. And then just like we were talking about before, oftentimes trauma is embedded within communities. So we think about adverse childhood experiences, which are these risk factors that lead to physical and emotional, really like dire long-term consequences, but they're often fed by the communities that they're embedded in. So for instance, if you're in a community that has a higher rate of poverty, incarceration, violence, exposure to threat, then the entire family unit can be exposed, not just the one person who has the PTSD. Um, And there's also some of those biological and physiological risk factors that can kind of get passed on. We know epigenetically that like, even when we start to look at our genes um, as Black people, that there are some gene markers that are indicative from, they're different for those who were in the transatlantic slaves trade than those who weren't like so when you compare the gene markers of stress that leads to high blood pressure obesity diabetes that there's actually encoded in the genes the trauma that was passed down through the generation so there's that physiological component as well now Lashina, you know we have a lot of stuff going on for women right now in relation to roe versus wade mm-hmm. um and um There are many women who have had abortions. They may not speak on them. They may have had more than one abortion. And um, there are young women now who are going to be forced to go through what might be considered for them a traumatic experience, having a baby, because that's not something they wanted to do. Somebody could be married and be forced to have a baby that they did not want to go through. Um, How may that trigger this situation right now? Do you you know or have you heard anything 
uh, rumblings of people being triggered by this ruling from their the parents with abortion, Lashina? So what I've heard, and it kind of goes back to di- to the doctor, what she mentioned about some of that family stuff um, that kind of is carried with us and embedded with us. Like I always explain when I'm talking is, you know, our brain and our body has a scorecard. Um, mm-hmm. Passed down and passed down and passed down. And you will have some doctors who will actually affirm that scorecard. But as it relates to women's health, I think I haven't heard any rumblings yet. But I think on the surface, it really is triggering just to everything that we've been going through in the past couple years and what we've been witnessing when it comes to those actually just being subjected to vile exchanges whether it's race, creed, color, you know, um, and that just kind of adds to that bucket of what women are experiencing when it comes to like just fighting to kind of be heard, be acknowledged in the space and time as it relates to what we have control over. So when we talk about trauma and how you move through to get to the other side, part of that is being able to get to that point where you can recognize what you have control over in that space and time. And this ruling has taken control out of our hands, of our own personal bodies. That could definitely be triggering for someone who has experienced sexual abuse. Um, that wife who's in that marriage and she's going through some financial trauma because somebody lost their job and it's rough now. And, you know, um, definitely taking control away again has that residual effect. And it's the answer. Yes, it's triggering. I'll I'll put the pin there. (laughs) Dr. Piper, what does a person do who's dealing with PTSD? What are the treatments that are out there available to them? Are there medicines, uh, talk therapy the only way? What is available to people who are dealing with PTSD? Mm, Yes. So there are a wide range of options that are available. Um, One of the big, like one of the most effective, like when we look at the research and see what's effective is talk therapy, particularly specialized talk therapy that um, focuses on trauma, like working with somebody who has training and skills with um, therapy for trauma in general. And so that could be including uh, some exposure-based traumas like prolonged exposure, cognitive processing therapies, EMDR, um, or um, brain spotting. There's many different types of training. Before you you go, what what is EMDR? People may not know what that is. Oh, yeah. EMDR is, I think it stands for eye movement desensitization. What's the R? Do you know, (laughs) Lashina? Train ourselves to use the letters. (laughs) Exactly. But it's a... Movement. Yeah. And it's combined with your being exposed to and processing and being able to create a narrative and build your resilience. And this is a theme that shows up across many of those different talk therapies. It, and oftentimes people worry about doing trauma therapy. They're like, am I going to be thrown into the deep end where I have to be forced to think about some of the hardest things? But in reality, most of the different
when um, therapies are going to involve building some coping skills and resilience for you to feel safe in your body as you're encountering these things, and then being able to process through process through it in a supportive, safe environment. Um, there's also some medications that might be addendums. There aren't ones that are specific for trauma that have been developed, but oftentimes people will put things on board that will help manage some of the anxiety or depression that can show up with PTSD. But um, and then there are also some really good, great evidence for supportive communities, like having communities to be able to work together with other people, feel that sense of validation, connection um, to be able to process. So those are the three major ways it, um, that folks cope with those symptoms of PTSD. Now, Lashina, is group therapy you think better than one-on-one with the doctor or should people do both? Have, have you had any experience with that? So um, I don't want to say that one's better than the other. I think it depends on where you are in your process. So, you know, for someone who may have been working on what they've experienced for a year or so, they may feel comfortable in a group. And it, it does, it can be affirming to be in a room with people who have, who have shared experiences because then it is more validating. Right. Um, I'm not alone. So, you know, this is a supportive connection because part of it is kind of like reintegrating back into a community that feels like it's going to support you. Individual can be just as effective um, when it comes to processing trauma. Um, what I'm finding is depending on where they are, they may have to hit like a reset button to kind of build themselves back up to even getting into individual. Part of it is building a relationship. The person has to feel comfortable with me. Uh-huh. They have to feel safe with me. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of what may turn it in a negative light in therapy is not feeling safe, not feeling validated or affirmed when it comes to what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's now, do- age. Doc- Dr. Piper, um, now where do you send people? Are there organizations that you know of that can help people? Um that are dealing with PTSD, um, that are out there, maybe 1-800 number is something that people can contact. Mm-hmm. So there are um, so national organizations that provide education, community-based resources, family supports. Um, and so there's like the National PTSD. I think it's the association. You can be able to Google that and get good information. They have connections to resources. Um, the, the Almost like non-surprisingly, the VA has a ton of resources for PTSD, which can be helpful for veterans and civilians alike. Um, they have, they are kind of the leaders in the field when it comes to the research and development of a lot of the practice. So there are a lot of resources available through the VA. But I think that also uh, social media has become a, a source of people like these conversations that we're having right now, where people are hearing themselves in the stories and then specifically seeking out communities and resources that are tailored to the like what their needs are. So I think that this is part of it as well. All right, I got another giveaway for you guys. <laughs> Signed copy, Robin Roberts' book. Oh, uh, wow. Her little book mm-hmm. work, so you can have a chance to, to win a, a copy of her book. Um, let's see. Email me. Hmm. 
What was her first job on uh, TV news? What was her first job on TV news? Robin Roberts. Email me at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Again, you have a chance to win. This is a signed copy of her book. Email me. What was her first TV job? Uh, Robin Roberts' first TV job. SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Be the first one to win the correct, uh, with the correct answer. Email me. Um, so now, Lashina, what can family and friends do? Because, you know, person going through this, everybody is different. Some people want help. Some people are half want help, the half don't. It's, you know, hard. Some people don't want to talk about it at all. At mm-hmm. all. Their behavior, you know, is can be very negative either to themselves or to their family. How do family and friends deal with this? What, what can they do? So I, that's like a loaded question. And I, the reason why I say that is because I do think that there are situations where families are very inclined to want to fix. I think that fixing comes out of, you know, maybe they're internalizing some feelings about this individual who's close to me has experienced this, whatever the reason is. I wasn't there. I should have been there. You know, I did whatever it is. So they may be inclined to fix. One of the things that I hear in therapy when it comes to the attempt to fix is that the language, while the intent is there and it's caring, it can come off as blaming. So I Uh think when it comes to family, I urge families to just be very careful and maybe just kind of of sit next to, in a sense. Um, You can't force, it's not recommended to force anyone to speak about their trauma at any particular time. So it really is allowing the person to be ready. And it's almost like having that open door. So when they're ready, they can just walk in. And ready could be, you know, while you're cooking Sunday dinner. They're ready at that particular time. And one of the things I would say is the first thing is really affirming. Uh I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's it. Like that, you can start there. Right. Not, well, why didn't you say something before? Why didn't you? Why? Why? We don't. We don't need the why. Yeah. We don't need the why when we're trying to build the relationship that can support the healing. You don't need the why. So really, I'm, just listening to the person, finding out what they need, giving them that control back. Also, I guess. You know, and the statement can be what can for you right now? How Mm -hmm. support you right? How can I support you, or how can I support you right now? Yeah, Uh let our periods or our question marks have power, leave it there, and give that person give them back the power to re engage in what they need to take care of themselves. Well, I want to thank you, ladies, uh, for sharing today. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Like I said, I don't know these two women, but I I found them uh, and connected with them in various ways. And I appreciate that they are African-American women with a lot of knowledge. I love highlighting practitioners to show that there are people that look like us with the knowledge that can help us and direct us where we need to go, uh, and, and and you don't have to feel that uneasiness sometimes. Maybe if you go to a practitioner of a different ethnicity, 
sometimes going to someone that looks like you that might have gone through some things you've gone through, such as we talked about racial issues, um, working in certain communities, um, all these things impact, you know. Also, one of the things Lashina talked about is you have to be comfortable with me, meaning me, your practitioner. <laughs> Tell people, if you are not comfortable with that practitioner, you have a right to go to someone else. If you have insurance especially, you have a right to find someone else that you feel more comfortable with. If you don't have insurance, and maybe you are, if you want to say, stuck going to one place, like Dr. Piper said, though, there are a lot of organizations. Also, social media is out there more involved than ever in a variety of ways to support people dealing with PTSD, looking up the VA government website. Uh, she mentioned a national PTSD organization. Those are places that you can go. Many people don't have insurance, so that might you know be a problem. But these other organizations are out there, and many of them provide free services or can direct you to free services because we know co-pays could be like 50 bucks or something, $25. How are you supposed to go to therapy every week and you're paying $50 a week? That's like $200 a month. You know, that's stress right there. <laughs> that's a trouble right there, you know, trying to pay for your health care. But um, I want to thank you guys again. Dr. Piper, where can people find you online? Yes. So my Instagram handle is at Dr. Janelle Well. So feel free to follow me here. And my website is www.inclusivetherapywellness.com. So feel free to reach out if you're navigating systems looking for support. I'd love to be a resource to you. And Lashina, uh, where can people find you? So I am on Instagram, Self Care Boutique LLC, as well as Facebook. So you can hit me up on um, either platform. There's an email connected to that. They can send email. I am available. Excellent, excellent. And I'm Joy Keys, and you can check me out on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and here on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And if you want to win one of those prizes, you got to email me, SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. All my podcasts are online, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other platforms where you get your podcasts. So check them out. Just look up my name and the topic. I've also done other shows about PTSD. You can look up Joy Keys PTSD. This audio will be up tomorrow uh, after 12 p.m. on the different uh, podcast platforms, and you can share that with your friends and family. So they know what to do and what not to do when dealing with someone who has PTSD and for someone who is dealing with it, what they can do to help themselves. Thank you, everybody, for Thank this you. morning. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. All right, Bye. Later. Okay. All right, you too. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.